This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series. However, uh, this is the returning uh, episodes of the Canton and Simeu show. It's been a fair long while uh, since we've been able to do one of these. Both myself and Harry are very, very busy people. Uh, and uh, I'm very happy, as always, for these to be joined by Harry Simeu. How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Yeah, good, man. Not too bad. Uh, looking forward to chatting all things Arsenal with you again, man. As you say, it's been... A long, long time. Um, not ideal, but work mm. sometimes gets in the way, doesn't it? And 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 you do those eight AM shows. I, I'm not even functional at eight AM. I don't even know what day it is at eight AM. So, yeah. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. I've seen you. You're taking a little bit of a break as well um, from stuff over the, over the international break, which I don't blame you uh, for doing. Uh, it is you know this. How do you usually tackle the break? Is it an opportunity to recharge usually? So normally I I just plow through it, um, to be mm. honest with you, and I'll, I'll make content daily, even through the international break. Um, obviously, this season for me, it's become a lot different. Like I was always attending Arsenal matches, but this season my job is taking me to other matches as well. So when Arsenal aren't at home, for example, I'm still at a match at the weekend. Um, I've been to Paris a couple of times for work. I was, at Paris, I was in Paris this weekend. Um, and sort of came back in time for the Arsenal game. So I've just found myself a little bit drained. Is that the right word? Like, and I feel like I'm not doing... Burnt out? Yeah, burnt out is the right word. I feel like I've not been producing stuff to the same level as I would have done had I not been burnt out. So I figured I needed a few days. Um, I'll probably get back on it towards the end of the week, but I figured I just needed a few days to recharge and um, and just kind of reset a little bit. So, um, yeah. It's like uh, it's like a club. You're getting rid of a manager. You've sacked yourself for a few days, and you're going to bring in a new Harry Simeon by the end of the week to to bring take the on the last ten bounce. games. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Uh, good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon, everybody joining us in the chat box. Hope you're doing well. Thank you for the kind words. Always good to see so many of you joining us. As per, do drop a like on the video. Uh, and subscribe to the channel if you are indeed enjoying uh, what we're doing. Today is a uh, tier list video. You'll remember that we did these, uh, we did one just over a month ago when we reached the halfway point uh, of the season. I think it was at 19 games. We're now uh, at a point in 28 games. We only have 10 left. And with it being the international break, I thought it would be a good opportunity to revisit uh, this. Last time I did it with John, 
um, I've got that list saved to kind of compare what differences we have uh, between myself and John's 10 or nine or so games ago uh, compared to what me and Harry are going to do. Uh, so to give you kind of an outline of, of how we do this, uh, we've got five different categories, well, I, I suppose six different categories. Um, the top tier, which is always red, because of course people say it should be green, but no, because we're Arsenal, it's red always, has to be. Uh, you then go to the very good, the decent, the below expectation, and then lastly, the underperformed slash on the right-hand side of our uh, table here will be the players that have not played enough to get uh, a rating, or we would feel it'd be too harsh to give a rating to. And we're going to be going through all the players that are currently at the clubs. That means Cedric, Laconga, not involved here because they've since left in January. Um, everybody else, including our brand new January signings, so we might be able to talk a little bit more about them. We were able to do uh, at the end of the January transfer window will certainly be an interesting one. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for the super chat. TC and Harry, two of the greatest. Hope you guys are well. Harry, just do a bump of... <laughs> I'm not going to read that out, actually. <laughs> nearly, nearly said it. But just do something that will help you, uh, Harry, is what I'll say. This is why I should read these before I show them. <laughs> do you know what will help me? Do you know what will help me if my kids just decided to sleep for consistent nights? Right. So I went away at the weekend for work and I was I had the best sleep of my life. I had a 12 hour sleep on one of the nights. It was amazing. Right. Fantastic. I came back and obviously we had the Arsenal game. So I flew back Sunday morning. We went to the game, um, finished up from the game, did the podcast, all of that stuff. And I'm knackered because I've been up since 4 a.m., been to an Arsenal game, which drains me now because of the stress levels that are involved in these things. And I get home and I'm like, right, can recharge, go to sleep. And what happens? Both of them decide to play up and I get the worst sleep ever. And then the same last night as well. And it's, it's that's what it is. Get, take them away from me for a week and I'll be back uh, fit and firing. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that is something I've not had to deal with, to be fair. You, know, you will kids. one day, my friend. One day, one day, although we keep having these chats and we're like, you know, I'm not, I'm just not feeling at the moment. And then we'll have that. We'll be like 40 and then it'll be too late. But uh, it when, will happen, I'm sure, at some stage. I'm sure that's when the time comes, the chat box. we'll have yeah. a conversation, an honest conversation, because nobody warned me. And I'm really upset about that. I've got, there's a lot of people that, <laughs> you know, I, I struck off the list that, you know, should have <laughs> it. It's fine. I, I would have probably still done it anyway, but. Be honest about it. Uh, so it's my mission now uh, to let people know what it's really like when they go into it. I will. Yes, we'll have a sit down in the press lounge at some point and you can t you can talk me out of it. Um, let's crack on then. And we start off today's show uh, talking about Aaron Ramsdale, um, who, I mean, I'm looking at the uh, last uh, time we did this and John and me put him in the in between and you can put them in between tiers for the the, the record um between top tier and very good um so where do you think he ranks now for me he's top tier um there have been a few moments over the course of the season where you know he's been a bit rash and a bit erratic most of the time thankfully we haven't been punished in those moments but i think especially over the last five, six games, you know, this run that we're on now of the six wins, I think he's been massive in that, in terms of some of the saves he's made at points where a game could have swung the other way. So if you think about the Villa away game, wonderful save at one end, and then yeah. moments afterwards, Arsenal go on to win the game. Um, you know, he, he's just made wonderful, wonderful saves. He did it 
um, against Bournemouth, even when, you know, I know we conceded goals in that game, but he made a really good save at 1-0, um, yeah. made a really good save against Crystal Palace at the weekend, um, at the start. I just think he's produced match-winning moments, but as a goalkeeper, you don't always get the credit that a forward would get if they produce a match-winning moment. And I think, yeah, there are things about Aaron Ramsdale's game that make me nervous. But I think a lot of that is down to the role that he's being asked to play. I think in terms of doing what he's been tasked to do, I think he's done it to an incredible level. And um, he just seems to get better and better for me. Uh, Chatbox uh, seems to be generally agreeing around the very good uh, ranking uh, for Ramsdale. I think that's probably because of the penalty shootout we had so recently. Um, and Jason points out that we're still a bit dodgy at set pieces. Uh, the pass to, was it Saka? Um, at the weekend, the long ball forwards. That that's the type of thing that I really like seeing from Rams. Though is those surprising moments. Um, I'm going to agree with you. I think he goes in top two. I think some of the saves he's made, the Villa one in particular, was massive. The Palace, uh, no, the Bournemouth one where he scrambled across from one side to the other was unreal. Um, so for me, top tier. Matt you Turner mentioned, up next. You oh, mentioned sorry, the um, no, it's all good. You, you mentioned the uh, the penalty shootout. Do you go into a penalty? expecting the goalkeeper to make a save because I don't know I never do I so never do in that case like the to me the penalty I wanted him to make a save obviously yeah of course but I don't count penalties as Wesley says in the chat I don't count penalties mm. against the keeper because I believe the striker should score if the keeper yeah. saves it's a bonus yeah I agree um I just think I'm saying in terms of people's perspective I think that's probably what's clouded um maybe some people's view of it uh Matt Turner Decent. Mm -hmm. He's made a few good saves. Um, his distribution is horrible. I'm sorry. I, I horrible. About it. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> awful. Um, I think he's trying to play the way that Arsenal want to play, but I just don't think it fits. And I think he looks awkward when he does it. Um, I think that takes away from our game when Matt Turner plays in goal, not because he's a bad shot stopper, but because he just it hasn't got the skill set required, in my opinion, to play that way. I was shocked when he signed him. The more I sort of looked into what he was as a goalkeeper, the more it didn't really make sense to me and it didn't really fit. Obviously, I wish him well. He's an Arsenal player, but I think decent is about as far as I could go. I'm not going to say below expectation because he hasn't played enough really for us to make a concrete judgment, but I can't put him any higher than decent personally. Yeah, I think last time we did this, he went into very good because the uh, performances were really improving throughout the Europa League campaign. Obviously, the only performance we've had since that was the one against Sporting, which I thought was probably his worst in an Arsenal shirt. Um, it, it wasn't good uh, in a competitive sense. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think he has to go in decent uh, for the moment. Uh, Takira Tomiyasu, unfortunately, we learned today, of course, that he... Uh, will be out until the end of the season. So I, I guess wherever we put him here is is where he's going to finish. Uh, for me, I'd put him in the decent category. Is that too harsh, do you think? I would actually consider putting him in below expectation. Really? Um, and I know that that's going to be unpopular, but I just look at the way he played last season. I know th the situation has changed. Saliba's come in. Ben White's gone into that position. And so Tommy's game time has been a little bit broken in that he hasn't really had time to find his rhythm. He hasn't really had time to kind of settle down again. He's been in and out of the side. Some of that's been because of injuries. Some of that's been just because he isn't first choice. At times we've seen him play at left back in specific games, did a really good job on Mo Salah that day. And that often gets talked about, but 
I just think in terms of what I thought we were going to have this season, based on what I saw last season, I think he's just a little bit below expectation for me. I think defensively he hasn't been as solid. And I think what you've seen with Ben White playing at right back is that actually when he gets into the forward positions, Tommy Asu I'm talking about, he is a little bit limited. Like he doesn't make the right decisions. He doesn't pick out the right passes, in my opinion. And I think we're significantly weaker with him now um, playing at right back over Ben White. So on that basis, if I'm basing it on what I expected, then I can't put him anywhere else. So below expectation for me. Uh, no, I don't think that's... Uh, when I said he's decent too harsh, I think it's because I was going off the back of the last time I saw him, of course, but other than the, the game he got injured, was that away game against Sporting where he came on and did really, really well. Um, but actually, you know, he played the game against Man City at home where he made that big mistake since we last did one of these. Uh, and he played that game at right back. Was it the Bournemouth game where he came off at half time Because he was really poor in that game. I remember the time he just kicked it off when he had a great chance to cross. I just think it's, yeah, I agree with Rancid here. Tommy's an awesome player, but unfortunately, it's just not been his season. And I think that's probably a fair representation. I think he's a good player. And I think he'll be an asset still for us moving forwards as well. But yeah, because he had a good first season, I think the expectation was there for him to build on that. And he hasn't. So I think that below expectation isn't harsh. It's probably about fair. Uh, ben White, I'm sure to put him in top tier, mate, because he has yeah. been so good. But I'll let you wax lyrical. Uh, we don't even have to have a conversation about this. I think mm. he has been unreal. I was a little bit concerned when he started playing at right back. I wondered how he would adapt. I wondered if yeah. he would be able to um, to give us what we needed from him in an attacking sense. And I think he's done it magnificently. I think he's been able to tuck inside when we need him to do that because of the way we play and the shape that we go with. Um, and he's been able to get close to William Saliba and, and the pair have defended really well down that right side. But I also think he's added this ability to really impact games in the final third, whether that be on the overlap, whether that be coming inside to sort of the corner of the penalty area. I mean, the pass he played at the weekend uh, for Bukayo Saka, that's a quality pass at a slightly uh, unorthodox angle. It's, we know that that's something that Mikel works on. We've seen all those coaching videos going around. But the way Ben White's taken that on board, and really kind of upped his level as an attacking player, I think is amazing. And uh, yeah, he's been, with the exception of maybe two or three games this season that I can think of, he's probably been one of Arsenal's, if not best players, most consistent. So he's uh, he's right up there for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, when we signed him, I still remember the whole... £50 million argument that was going on. He is more than, for me, you know, made good on that investment um, from Arsenal. The fact that he's developed into a right-back this season has been excellent. I'm trying to think of a right-back that I think has been better in the Premier League this season. Um, Trippier's obviously had a great season for Newcastle, but I think in the last couple of months has maybe trailed off a bit. I think that's maybe allowed Ben White to overtake him in the context of the whole season. I still think at the end of the season, you'll see the pundits saying Trippier because of you know his assists and things like that. But I think Ben White, when you look at the performances, has probably been the best the best uh, right back in the country. He's definitely been the best Ben uh, in the country. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lovely stuff. Um, Rob Holding. Uh, I, I put a short out on the channel earlier, which uh, was clipped up by Bayer, who's our, uh, our shorts editor. And he... Uh, uh, has riled a few people with the comments because uh, the apology forms were out after his uh, game against Crystal Palace. But where would you put him this season? Um, decent. 
I guess, based yeah. on what I expected from Rob Holding going into the season, he was always going to be a, a sort of a backup player, someone that could come in and, and help us in certain moments, in certain competitions. Um, I, I saw all your tweets and all your posts about Rob Holding the other day. And <laughs> whilst I agree with you that, um, you know, he did a good job at the weekend, I, I think if, if Rob Holding plays week in, week out, even over the course of two, three weeks, I think he gets exposed. I think he came into the team at the weekend and he did a good job against a side that offensively are really, really poor. I think they're statistically one of the worst in the Premier League this season. So I'm not going to get carried away on Rob Holding. Um, I, I would worry if we had to go on a run of games with him. He tried to play the Arteta away at the weekend. He was a little bit more aggressive in the way he was stepping out and confronting people. But again, I think against better teams, he'll get exposed. So, you know, I, I don't want to see us proceed with him. He is very much an emergency man at the moment. But you've got to say decent because that's all I expected of Rob Holding. I didn't look at Rob Holding at the start of the season and think you're going to be a key player. In fact, I've said on my podcast many times, he's the type of player that we probably need to move on from and, and probably will be one of the next ones that we do move on from as we continue in this rebuild. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think decent. He's come on when he's been asked to and and done good things. And I think he was he was decent, um, you know, against Crystal Palace. So you can't really disagree too much on that. Um, Ramsey says, look at his hair and then say he isn't top tier. I mean, that is, I mean, if we were doing Rob Holding's hair, it's definitely top tier, the comeback. 100%. And I love that he's not just gone for like the short hair look, but it's yeah. full. He's proper embraced it like he's not done a damn pots he's just he's gone full tilt with it which is great <laughs> he's going with the hairband and all sorts i love it <laughs> yeah uh chris carrick uh thank you for that we well, can all agree tom and harry are top tier well we'll take that chris uh much appreciate that and uh and the kind support that you bring to the channel my friend um let's uh go to jacob kivior I'm i'd like to kind of say i don't think he's played enough for us to give him a rating like if we did if we based it on the performance against Sporting, we'd put him in below expectation, I think, because he didn't have the best of debuts. But I feel unfair based on what I saw. But he came on against Crystal Palace and put in a really good tackle on Wilfred Zaha, got back in a one-on-one -on -one situation. What are you thinking? I'm going to put him in not played enough. Mm. I, I just can't make any sort of judgment on him um, at this stage. And I also think we need to give Jakub Kivior time. Um, I saw a bit of him prior to him coming to Arsenal. Obviously, I'm a big Serie A fan. And he looks very comfortable in a back three. And I think it, it takes time sometimes to adjust. Um, you know, he's really unlucky. In a, it's not unlucky because obviously he was deliberately identified that player of, uh, of that profile. But if he was a right-footed centre-back, I think we'd be able to get a good look at him now that obviously Saliba's out. But because he's left-footed, there was a reluctance to throw him in um in Saliba's place which means that he's kind of a bit further down the pecking order than he probably should be because I think he's a better centre-half than Rob Holding the problem is that Rob Holding's right-sided and Kivio's not and Arteta didn't want to disrupt the balance so not played enough is is the only place I can put Kivio at the moment I would say uh William Saliba oh top tier <laughs> I mean I mean I I don't know about you I knew that we had a player with potential um, coming back to the club. I didn't expect him to slot into the team the way he has and arguably be our best defender. I, I think that Gabriel's a lot closer to him than in terms of his performances this season than some people yep, agreed. 
uh, would have. But yeah, um, yeah, he's definitely top. Has he been better than Ben White? Um, ooh, ooh, ooh. I think out. just about overall, actually, just about. Just about. I think that he's been more transformative for us this season, if you know what I mean. So, like, the impact he's had on the team, I think, is what puts him in above Ben White. So, yeah, we we try and stack these, not just vertically, but horizontally as well. You can see your best hour at the bottom of the, uh, the thing, if you were wondering why we're doing that. So, there you go. And people are saying, yes, uh, he, he has been better than Ben White. Um, Gabrielle. I mean, we, we put him in kind of a very good slash top tier in the last time we did this, but he's improved and improved and improved to me. Like right now, I'd put him as the best centre-back in the Premier League. So what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I would actually put him ahead of Saliba just because um, I, I think that Saliba had a couple of little dips in form, which is not a, a slight on him. He's a young lad. He's still learning his trade. Gabby has really stepped up this season. And what I love about him is that he seems to have matured. Um, you know, he, he would get involved in in silly things in the past and he would make rash decisions. And, you know, maybe he's still got that in him. It's part of the way he plays, that kind of fire. It does sometimes boil over. But I think he's he's looked a lot more mature. And what a lot of people don't seem to, to acknowledge with Gabby is that he covers Zinchenko and the holes that he oh, leaves yeah. defensively. Yeah. He's not just a centre-back. He's a centre-back stroke left-back most of the time. He's always got to be the one to go out and confront when teams uh, release their wingers down our left-hand side. Um, you know, and then he's got to make sure that in other moments that he's tucked in close enough to, um, to William Saliba. So I think the ground he covers, the area on the pitch for which he's responsible is huge. And because of that, I think he's, you know, he's done a wonderful job. Yeah. Is there an, I mean, he's already in the top of the top tiers at the moment, but and maybe we'll come on to this later, but Bukaya Saka and Martin Odegaard are two players that people are looking at as the, the key candidates for player of the season. I really think there's an argument for Gabriel being up there alongside those two. Um, and so when we get to Bukaya <laughs> Saka and, and uh and and Odegaard maybe we'll have that discussion. Next up is uh, Zinchenko, um, who, you know, I'm again I'm I'm gonna put him straight in top tier. I think this is more about where he he goes in the top tier section. So talk to me about him. Yeah, I mean, what a season and what a sign in as well. Um I do think at times Zinchenko has left us a little bit vulnerable defensively. And, and, you know, I've seen that highlighted by, by some people and I agree with that, but I think it's, it's one of those gambles that you take knowing what you're doing. You know, it's a calculated risk to tuck him inside is, is something that gives us an advantage in midfield, but can leave us a little bit, um, you know, in danger on the flank, but overall the impact he's had in terms of the leadership, he's become like a cheerleader as well, um, which is, I'm, look, I know that some people say that oh, there's players out there that do that and it doesn't really have the impact that maybe it looks like it does and, and maybe it's a bit overblown. But I think Zinchenko has been a big part of this kind of united front that Arsenal is showing at the moment as well. And if you're Kieran Tierney, who we'll talk about in a bit, you're looking at Zinchenko and you, you probably feel like you deserve to play. But do you bring everything that Zinchenko brings to the table? And we're not just talking about footballing ability. We're talking about someone who brings leadership, who brings experience, who brings know-how. He's another coach on the pitch for Mikel Arteta. And I just think the whole package of, of Alexander Zinchenko is, 
is amazing. And um, I must admit, earlier on in the season when he had some injury problems, I was worried that this was going to be an ongoing thing and that we then adapted our game to suit him and that we were then going to have to come to a point where we'd have to change it up again because he wasn't going to be reliable and, and wasn't going to be fit enough. And touch wood, you know, he stays fit uh, because I think with him in the team, we're obviously a much better outfit. Just wonderful signing. Yeah, I, yeah, it's interesting people put very good down rather than top tier. I think that is down to the defensive. What I would say is, is I don't think that's necessarily his fault. I think that that is all about the system and it's all about what Arteta wants from him. And I'm not going to begrudge him of that vulnerability that having him in the team presents. Every team has weaknesses. Manchester City have their weaknesses and that's to do with the system, not necessarily to do with the players that are there. And I don't think I can penalise Zinchenko for that. So, and because we've talked about Gabriel, his role is to play one and a half positions, basically, at this point. Um, so, yeah, Zinchenko for me goes in top tier. I think he goes above uh, Aaron Ramsdale for me in terms of his impact on the team this season. But I think I would keep him slightly below Ben White. Uh, I think that Ben White has been so consistent where I don't look at his games this season and think, you know, there's been times where Zinchenko has been caught on the ball in possession and it has cost us. So I don't think I look at White and say he's done that. So I think that's the only thing I can say that would separate those two. Is Count, that fair? Counter argument, would it be that yeah, would it be that Zinchenko's influence on the rest of the team is bigger than Ben White's in terms I of I think offensively, yeah, it is. But I think defensively, you could argue that it's very similar for what Ben White's produced for us. I also think offensively, Ben White has developed so much throughout this season. I thought his best game of the season was against Crystal Palace this weekend. And offensively, he was so good. The combinations with Saka and Erdegaard in particular was, were brilliant and his crossing was great. But yeah, no, it's a fair argument. I, I, you could put them pretty much level. You know, there's a good argument on either side. So we'll just keep it how it is uh, for now. Uh Kieran Tierney, which is an interesting one um, because he's not played loads this season. When he has played, there's been question marks. And then he came off the bench on Sunday and uh, was was really, really good. So what do you make of, of Tierney? I'm going to put very good. Now, that mm. might be controversial, but the reason that he maybe hasn't looked very good is not because of his performance level. It's because of him being asked to do a different role a role that Zinchenko being a midfielder by trade originally has fit into like a glove. You know, he's done it for years. He did it, um, you know, with Manchester City, he played that left-back role, but obviously coming in in an inverted position, etc. Here in Tierney, where he struggled for me is that he's been trying to do what Zinchenko does. And and I think in another team, you know, those performances that Kieran Tierney's put in as a conventional left-back level, um, yeah, I think at the start of the season, a lot of us looked at midfield and probably thought we needed um, we needed that more than we needed a left back. And we brought Zinchenko in, probably believing a lot of us anyway that Zinchenko was going to cover both of those positions, but he hasn't. He's literally been the left back all season. I think Mikel Arteta has seen that. You know, Zinchenko brings another dimension, and now he wants all his fullbacks to play that way, but. Um, you know, I, I just don't think Tierney's the right fit, but I, I can't look at him and say he's been bad. Um, so no, neither yeah. can I. Yeah. Um, 
for those saying not played enough, I can't put a player that's put that's had 1,193 minutes and not played enough. He's got 28 appearances this season. I know that a lot of them are substitutions, uh, but you can't, I don't think you can justify putting that in not played enough. I lean towards decent, and that makes me want to kind of put him between the two. Um, I think that there's been performances this season where he has been decent and there's performances where he has like against Crystal Palace when he came off the bench and, and looked good. He's not he's not been able to add the you know the assists and the goals as he might have liked this season. He got an assist against Bodo. He scored against Zurich as well. Really great finish um in that game, that one nil win. And I remember he celebrated that like mad um as well because he just kind of knew that you know he's showing what he's capable of. But I think he's just he, he has to go in between the two um and uh and for that reason he, he goes there I, I think when you look about the Tommy Asu um with Philip says here sorry but Tommy has played over him and they're both lost their positions yet Tommy's below and Tinny's very good I think the reason behind that is because of Tommy Asu's performances when he's played it's nothing to do with you know where Arteta might rank them in terms of the order and I actually would rather in certain games play Tommy Asu at left back over Tierney like we saw against Liverpool at home I think that the expectation of Tommy from last season was so good that what we've got this season reflects differently on where he ranks. So it's not necessary to say that, you know, it's a comparison between the two. I think you have to look at all of these players in context, especially when you start putting them in the below expectation category as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's that's probably fair of a representation yeah, of where also, Tierney is. Tierney hasn't played a lot, man. Like, I know you said he's mm. got minutes and he has, but apart from... That period where Zinchenko had that injury that seemed to rumble on for like, what, a month and a half, two months. Mm-hmm. When has Kirantini played consistently? Now, I know you could say the same for Tommy Asu, but when Tommy Asu's played, he's looked below the level that he showed last season. That That's undeniable, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't argue with Tierney being put in decent. Like, I wouldn't argue against that. I'm okay with that. But I don't think you can put him as below expectation because what's happened is the role that he made his name playing in the role that he was signed to play has changed dramatically. Tommy Ashley was brought into play as a, a right back and be centre back cover, but a right back that was a centre back type. And Ben White is that centre back type right back because he's physical and he's a centre back by trade. And he's been able to bring so much more to the role this season. There's no reason why yeah. Tommy can't come back and be stronger. But I, I think on individual performances, Overall, I've come away from less games thinking Kieran Tierney underperformed than I have with Tommy Asu. Yeah, agreed. Um, I for for El Nenny, um, I think it's fair to put him in not played enough because he's just been injured for the whole yeah. season, basically. So I think there's not much to be said. So you started that game against Fulham. It's bar one game, maybe in the Europa League. I think he played against Zurich at home. Um, he played. Did he play in the League Cup as well? Yeah, against uh, Brighton when we lost, and he played against Oxford, of course, and scored. But uh, I just don't think he's played enough um, to to justify at the moment putting him in this team. So yeah, for me, I think he's he goes there without too much debate. Do, do you think it's wise that we extended him just while we're on him? Do you think that was the right decision? I think it was what the one that we just did, the one following the injury. I think he's yeah. just the club being classy to be honest i don't agree you know it's on reduced wages i don't think it's anything more than a good gesture uh to somebody who's been a loyal servant to the club i don't think he's good enough i don't think arsenal think he's good enough um but you know you've got a player who's going to be out of contract and he's just picked up an injury 
like that, you want to see him for his rehab. I think that's the responsible thing to do. So, yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah, me too. Uh, just was curious to get your view. Uh, Thomas Partey. Oh, stick him in the top tier. Yeah, Stick him at the front of the queue, man. Honestly, really, yeah. I, uh, watching him just swan around the pitch is just unbelievable. Like, and, you know, when he's not in the team, my God, do we feel it. Like, he is, for me, the single most important player in this Arsenal team. He's the one player that when we're not, when we don't have him, I think the level drops so significantly. He's top, top. If there was another tier above this, he'd be in that. Um, He's your player of the season then so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think his influence is so big and I think it's so, I think the way he plays is so important uh, to the way that, we're able to our system basically to the fact that we can push up the pitch and leave him sort of sitting there that little bit deeper because he's got not just the athleticism but the reading of the game his line breaking passing is unbelievable that pass that he seems to play five six times a game where he gets it in midfield shifts it out of his feet and then he just pings it into Saka on the wing um yeah that's a big feature of our game I just think without him we're we're maybe half the team. And I don't think I could say that about any one other individual. So he's, if there was a, another tier above that said, take a bow, son, that would be where, where Thomas goes for me. Fair enough. Uh, a lot of the people in the chat box certainly seem to agree. Um, Robert saying TP is the nearest player we've had to Patrick Vieira. Um, Zunaid says Thomas uh, is integral to the way that we play and he's been immaculate for Arsenal so far. Uh, I think it's he's certainly an argument in there. I'm actually putting a poll into the chat box now. Who has been your player of the season so far? Your four options, I think, are probably fair, four fair options. Saka, Partey, Odegaard and Gabriel are the four choices. Um, some people might say Saliba, of course, or maybe even Ben White or even Zinchenko. But uh, I think those four are probably the top four. Um, have you have you ever noticed as well, Tom, how long his arms are? <laughs> like, no, I haven't. When he's got his arms down by his side, I think his hands yeah. are level with his knees. Really? Honestly, yeah. it's unbelievable. And that's why really? in, in Spain, they used to call him the octopus because he had this incredible right. reach and, and he can hold people off and stuff. I'm not saying that that's all his game's about, but yeah, <laughs> he's just, he's a really like, his build is really like unorthodox. And I think it's a big part of why he can kind of hold people off and, and can turn and, and look so comfortable all the time. I, have a look at it. Next time you see him in the flesh, have a look. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's scary. Oh yeah, I'll uh, I'm gonna look out for that. I mean, I spoke to him in the mix zone, and it didn't it didn't hit me then. So I'll have to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, that's an interesting one. First, uh, well, second, I suppose we don't give you, but the first one we can I think we can rate the January signing, Jorginho. I'm gonna argue he's been very good. What would you say? I'd say he's been very good, with the exception of the sporting game at home the other night, where I thought he was dreadful. Really. Um, I thought it was really bad in that game, like really poor. But outside of that, I think you're right to say very... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good. And again, it all comes down to the expectations that you had of this player when he came in. There's, there's there's a few Arsenal fans on Twitter that have uh, were really against this signing and will look for any little thing um, to, to criticise him, will often compare him to Thomas Partey. Let's have it right. 
Nobody ever said that he was Thomas Partey level. All he was, was a cover for El Nenny, essentially, and a, an upgrade on El Nenny, not an upgrade on Thomas Partey. Also, he brings experience. He brings know-how. Um, yes, he's, as, as that comment said, he's limited in a lot of ways. But I think if you want someone to break lines and to be comfortable on the ball, he can do that. So if you had a Thomas Partey checklist of what his uh, deputy needed to be able to do, I think Jorginho ticks a lot of those boxes. There are some that he doesn't tick. Without but this was, yeah, yeah. This, was, this was shrewd business from Arsenal because it's cost them about £10 million. And it was with a view to not uh, being a, a sort of hindrance in the summer when they go to do, hopefully the business that they want to do for the long term. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, um, people are saying very decent. Um, it's kind of a, a middle ground. I think that I think that's harsh, you know, to say he's been just decent or very decent. I think the contribution that he has made in the season so far, in a period that where we lost Partey in those games against uh, Aston Villa, Obviously, we know the, the the demonstration of his quality in that game, um, but he continued to play after that as well. Came on against Everton, of course, in the worst circumstance possible. It was the worst place, worst time, worst moment you could ever make your debut. Responded to that humbling experience really, really well. And I've been very impressed with him and what he's brought. And I think he's justified the club's decision to sign him. Um, and so I'm going to not pull rank, but you know, I think I'm going to put him in that very good category. Cause I think we have to appreciate, as you said, around the expectation of the player, what he's brought in. And I have been, I've actually been impressed more than I expected with what he's come in with. Um, not that I weren't expecting much. I thought it was going to be decent, but I think he's been very good. Uh, Sam said, Odegaard's uh, Partey's absences highlights the importance of him as well. We're going to get onto Odegaard very shortly. Uh, we'll start though, uh, or continue with uh, Granite Xhaka. Where does Granite Xhaka go? Top tier for me. I um, agree. So where? <laughs> In I'm, the top I'm, tier. I'm particularly enjoying uh, Granite Xhaka's season because I'm one of the people that defended him so much um, because I thought that he never really got a fair ride. And um, I, I would probably put him... <sighs> I would probably put him between Zinchenko and Ramsdale at the moment um, just because there have been times where We've been without Thomas Partey, and and I feel like Granite Xhaka's obviously helped us get through that. Um, I think that Granite Xhaka is an experienced head. I think he's someone that has at times lost his head, but seems to have, a, a bit like Gabriel, managed to get that under control. Um, he's spoken himself of how much he was unsure about the new role that he was being asked to play and the reservations he had around that. But he's taken to it like a duck to water. And when you consider all the shit he's been through at the club, to be able to to sort of bounce back to this level means you're top tier. And he's scoring goals and he's getting into positions that even if he's not the one putting the ball in the back of the net, he's, he's occupying defenders and he's creating gaps for others. I think he's been unbelievable. People will say there are upgrades on Granite Xhaka out there. Absolutely, there are. Of course they are. But Granite Xhaka... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not getting them for a reasonable price. And Granite Xhaka, for me, is, yeah, he's been one of our most important players this season. And again, a bit like Ben White, and why obviously Ben White's in that top tier, aside from what he's done, is the level of consistency. Think of maybe three or four games over the course of the season where I've looked at Granite and gone, and, and this was in recent weeks, where I've looked at him and gone, okay, you're not at the level that you have been. 
aside from that, he's been superb, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I wouldn't disagree with any, any of the placements there either. I think that's perfectly uh, put. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, <laughs> tough one, because he's not played that much. Um, but when he has played, I've been underwhelmed, um, which I don't think is necessarily his fault, but he's played less minutes than El Nenny. And we've put him in not played and and we put him in not played enough. So I'm I think it would be unfair to put him anywhere else than not played enough. What do you think? Yeah, I think you got to put him in not played enough. But I agree with you that when he has played, he he hasn't done it for me this season. And again, I'm yeah. not going to sit and, and write him off because no, he's had a not. long injury. And you know, I I thought when he first broke through, along with Bukayo Saka, that probably in terms of just pure talent and footballing brain. I would have said that Emil Smith-Rowe was ahead of him. Um, obviously, Saka's continued to develop. Injuries have stopped Emil Smith-Rowe, I think, fulfilling his potential. But the game that sticks in my mind is, is the Bournemouth game. Now, I know he lacked fitness when he came on the pitch and there was no plan for him to come on the pitch at that point. But when he went off, you saw the difference. Like, I, I thought he had a really bad game that day. I know people talk yeah, about the assist headed it in towards the back post area for Partey. That's great. Yeah. Great. But outside of that, I thought he was really bad that day, really underwhelming, looked well off the pace. Um, so I'd probably have him, if he if if he'd played a little bit more and we would, and sort of those levels of performance was, was sort of averaged out across more games, I'd have him in below expectations. But as you yeah. say, the, the lack of minutes means I, you can't put him anywhere else. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I can't. It would be unfair to put him anywhere else. I think uh, Fabio Vieira. This is gonna. This is gonna cause some debate. I think, especially in the chat box. Um, people know that I'm a big defender of, of Vieira, more so around um, the fact that I he's his transition season of which this is, and is obviously the challenge of not playing loads of games because um, Odegaard is is ahead of him. I think that we've had, and he is still our second highest assister across all competitions this season. I've seen things I really like. I've seen things that he clearly needs to improve on. Decision-making, timing, um, is is moments in duels. And I don't want to go into physicality because I think it's a cop-out argument You think he's me. lightweight, don't you? I No. <laughs> <laughs> for a minute, I thought you were serious. So I was about to lose it. Um I just I just don't get the argument about the lightweight side of things. Like I understand from some people's perspectives that it, it he gets like knocked off in challenges or he when he goes down, he goes down holding his leg. Like, you know, it's a very continental thing you see happen a lot. Less so and I say less so in the Premier League players definitely go down holding them, but I feel as though he does it maybe a little bit over the top sometimes, which I think gives you this kind of perception of him being a little bit of a crybaby. Um I, I think he's been decent. I think he's been decent this season. Um, and I can't knock someone that's put in the performances that he has uh, with the opportunities that he's got. What do you think? So I think that Fabio Vieira is one of those players that if you watch him, you will sometimes struggle to see what it is that he brings to the team over the duration of 90 minutes. But when you look at the moments he produces, i.e. the assists, the goals that he has scored, you you understand why he's in the team. So he's not someone that's constantly going to be... If you if if the sort of player's performance levels throughout a game were like a, a 
you know, like when you see a volume bar and it's like going up and down. Um, yeah. If if you looked at Fabio Vieira, he wouldn't be pushing the maximum for most of a game, but he would hit the maximum a couple of times and he would produce the moments, i.e. the assist or the goal. The other thing as well that you've got to be really wary of when judging Fabio Vieira is that when he has played in the first 11, so go back to Brentford away, okay, when he came into the team to replace Martin Odegaard and he had Xhaka and he had Partey with him and he had Saka on the outside of him and Jesus through the middle and Martinelli on the other side, we saw a totally different player. The problem has been for Vieira is that most of his opportunities have come late on in games as a substitute or have come in the Europa League or in the Cups where he's playing with a, an understrength Arsenal side. And, you know, I've, I've said this so many times about this team is that there are certain players that if the majority of the starting 11 is there and you have to bring them in, you can get away with it. But once you make four or five changes, that's when we start to look a little bit vulnerable. Things don't look cohesive and, and all of that. And I think Fabio Vieira has been a, a bit of a victim of that. So I'll put him as decent. I wouldn't put him as very good because I think he's still got a little bit more to prove. But I don't think you can put him anywhere below decent. People that say below expectation, you were expecting too much then. I know the yeah. price tag makes people go, oh, well, we spent 30 odd million. Well, 30 odd million nowadays is not that much money. And this is for one... a 22 year old coming from a Portuguese Absolutely. team, and Portuguese teams only sell their top talents for significant money as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, he's just come to the league. I, I I remember when Martin Odegaard came on that loan spell. There were times where I thought the same things about him. So maybe a little bit feeble sometimes. Maybe, um, you know, does all the nice bits around the penalty area, but it doesn't really amount to much. Uh, that's how I look at Vieira sometimes. But I think he will come good. So decent for me is fair. He's been better for me than Turner. He's been better for me than holding. So, yeah, he should go at the front of that queue, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, Marcus, thanks for the donation. Where's the TG? I think I assume that TGD hat. Um, uh, where's the TGD hat? And was it signed too late for a tier? Uh, yeah, the hat, the hat would be in top tier. Let's be honest. The TGD hat has to go in top tier without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Martin Odegaard, I, I think this is just about where you put him in top tier now. This is <laughs> that's the argument we need to have. We know that. He has been unbelievably good. For me, I know that you said Thomas Partey has been your player of the season. For me, Martin Odegaard has been my player of the season. Um, so it, it's it's about your argument as to why Partey is more important than Odegaard. <laughs> okay, so I I think a lot of it is down to the lack of alternative quality that we have in the area in which Partey plays, which increases his importance. So Martin Odegaard, yes, fantastic player, really creative, has scored goals this season, has provided assists, plays a big part in our in the way we build and, and in our tempo. Um, and he's very much Mikel Arteta's man out on the pitch. But at the same time, um, if you took Martin Odegaard out and you put Fabio Vieira into the full first team, I think the the that the the downturn in the team's performance would be less than if you took Thomas Partey out and replaced him with, for example, Jorginho. So that's not that's to say... Because the backup in Odegaard's position is better than the backup in Partey's position. Yeah, which makes Partey 
more important as an more individual. Important, yeah. Yeah. And, and less, and, and, and basically more irreplaceable if that's even a, a way. Yeah. 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 I, I get that argument from my perspective. If, for the player of the season, you know, if you want to talk about the most important player in the Arsenal team, I agree with you 100%. Partey is the most important player. But I think there's a big argument around the reason for that is who is behind Partey compared to who is behind Odegaard. And then when I assess individually the player, I look at the contribution of of Odegaard and the improvement of Odegaard and the man of the match performances we've had from him, the game-winning moments we've had from him, and I think when he's not in the team, and I rate Vieira, but I do think that Odegaard, when he's there, is so inspirational and, and creative for that forward line that, again, we aren't the same. I think he's him taking on the armband, him embracing that leadership role, um, the things he does off the field, the things he does after the games. Like He walks around the Emirates, he's the last person to leave the pitch every single time. I just think everything about him on and off the field this season has gone up significantly from previous seasons where some had even written him off as a player that they didn't that they thought we could improve on um never thought he'd get into double digits for goals and has already with 10 games left to go i think for me i put Odegaard over Partey in terms of player of the season because i think that the importance argument whilst i agree with you i just think when it comes to the contribution in a league winning season i think Odegaard has been edged slightly more than Partey. But I agree oh, I, with you completely about the importance. I wouldn't disagree with like anybody putting Odegaard there. Like I wouldn't sit yeah. there and fight the case because I think it's a, it's a valid case. And and I can understand where, like you can see where I'm coming from. I can see where you're coming from. Of course, yeah. I just think, apart from the, the obviously the pressing is amazing. The leadership with Odegaard, it's not the old standards, you know, going around beating my chest as a captain. It's the, let me lead by example, you know, you watch Odegaard when he presses. The first thing he does is look over his shoulder to make sure that the next wave of it is coming as well. And he's like really kind of on it and he really shows his intelligence and understanding of the game. I just think that in terms of the goals and assists, which is where Martin Odegaard for me has really gone up a level this season in terms of his outputs. I, If we were missing Martin Odegaard, I could look at, Saka, Martinelli, Trossard, Jesus, you know, maybe Emil Smith-Rowe when he gets fit again and, and look at those guys and think, if you guys pull together and give that little bit extra, we can live without that. We can cope with it. Whereas you take Partey out, we don't have another midfielder that can do what Thomas Partey does. I mentioned Jorginho earlier. He ticks half the boxes, but not all of them. And so, yeah, it, it's a different argument, I guess. Um, it but- is. Yeah. By the way, the only reason I put him ahead of Partey is not because it's, it's my channel. <laughs> the reason I've done that is only no, because no, no, with, free. <laughs> with the the only reason I have done is because the poll that I've got going in the chat box, um, at the moment the majority is leaning towards Odegaard. That's the only reason why. But I think that you could easily put either one ahead of one another, uh, and there are certainly arguments for that. It's very close at the moment. The poll in the chat box: thirty nine percent Odegaard, thirty eight percent Saka, twenty one percent Partey, three percent Gabriel. Underrated. Caprio underrated for, for many, um, but the others have been just so good. Uh, Reese Nelson. Now, before the World Cup, obviously, I think he went into the not played enough category, uh, even though he played in the Europa League. Um, but, of course, he's had he's had a, a fairly decent moment, I think we could agree, Harry, <laughs> this yeah. season. That goal against Bournemouth, um, how much weight does that put on his overall rating for the season? He's played 491 minutes, which is slightly more than El Nenny. 
um, who of course is we've put in the not played enough, but has his contributions meant that we can rate him, do you think? I put him in between very good and decent. Hmm. Um, as high as that, because I think his contributions have been, for the most part, really positive. The Bournemouth game, aside from the winning goal, which was obviously a, a magical moment, and if we did go on and win the Premier League, you'd look back at for years and years to come and think of that as a real clutch moment. But I remember a game earlier in the season against Nottingham Forest when he had to come on and he really performed, um, scored a couple of goals that day as well, I think, and then obviously he picked up an injury that kept him out for a long time. So I feel like he's been unlucky with injuries. In terms of his performances, though, I don't think he's been very good every time he's played. But again, the times where he's looked a bit below par, the same as I say about Fabio Vieira, it's been in a disjointed Arsenal side and in a side that just hasn't really worked overall. So, um, yeah, I think between very good and decent is fair for Reese Nelson. Um, I think there's more to come from him. But, you know, he's he's... The the problem he's got for me is that I think he is a left winger more than he is a right winger. And when you look at what we've got on the left wing, yeah. Martinelli, Trossard, you could even argue Smith Rowe, because if you go back to last season when Smith Rowe was performing, particularly when we came out of the back of that opening three games of sort of back-to-back -back defeat, Smith Rowe was playing as a left winger and was performing. So I feel like his problem and, and why I actually believe he may not be an Arsenal player for much longer. I feel like he's one of those that will sign a new contract so that we can sell him. Um, I think it's because he's got too many people in his way, but that's not a criticism of him. So very good to decent. I think it's fair with him. Yeah, so do I. Um, this is going on a lot longer than I thought it was going to. So uh, we may oh, rush through these last ones. Leandro Trossard. I think he's been very good. Very good. Has he been top tier? No, very good. Very good. Very I think good. He's been better than Jorginho. Uh significantly better than Jorginho. Yeah. I I'm not sure I'd I'm not sure I can put he's got a lot of assists, mate. Like <laughs> he's got a lot of assists. Yeah, I'm tempted to put him between the two. The reason I can't put him top tier is because he ain't been doing it long enough. Yeah. Like the impact has not been over a long enough period of time to be very elite, in my opinion. But you're right, okay. the assists have been amazing. But I always say this about assists. They're only assists if someone scores. <laughs> so it, it, you, you get half a point for those. But, you know, unless the finisher puts it in the back of the net, it doesn't mean anything, does it? I guess so. Look, if we're doing this at the end of the season, he's done what he's done so far. I think then we're talking about top tier. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a fair argument to put him into very good. Trossard's, uh, Yomi says, are you guys smoking? <laughs> this one uh, clearly is a big, big fan of... Uh, we've been doing more than smoking, apparently, on this episode. What's that, sorry? <laughs> apparently, we've been doing more than smoking. Or I should yeah, be apparently. Than <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gabriel Martinelli. Oh, top tier. Mm, top tier. Where I mean, is the question. Uh, Has he been better than Saliba or White? I'm going to put him in, I would put him in between Saliba and White. Yeah, so would I. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. And the reason for that is because one of the things, if you go back to the podcast I did last season, one of the things I said. Well, you said we should sell him, those ones. I didn't say that, never. I, I actually said that Martinelli was the young talent I was most excited about since Cesc Fabregas because I really, really liked the player. Um, but 
one of the things I said last season was that I felt we were probably going to finish short of the top four because our wingers were not producing enough output. So I've I done a comparison looking at like Martinelli, Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe in comparison to people like Heung-Min Son and, you know, Rafinha, I remember at the time, was way ahead of them as well. There were loads of wingers in the Premier League whose outputs were just much higher. And although we could see the promise and the talent with these guys, I didn't know if it was enough to get us over the line. Whereas this season, they've managed to turn that promise into outputs and into results. And he's a big part of that. I think he's got, what, 13 goals in the Premier League this season. Um, he's outscored Bukayo Saka in the Premier League. And when you think about the the praise that Bukayo Saka gets, and rightly yeah. so, how can you not put Martinelli in the top tier? Yeah, uh, agreed. Uh, this season, he has 13 Premier League goals. Uh, very, very good. I think he's three away from beating Firmino's record as a Brazilian in the Premier League, uh, which would be an incredible achievement with 10 games to go. Definitely achievable. Uh, Bukayo Saka. I mean, we've kind of both said that Odegaard and Partey are our best players of the season, so I think he probably has to go thirds in that list for us. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, personally, it's fair. <laughs> I know a lot of people in the chat are going to be unhappy with that. Yeah, <laughs> but, they, uh, and that's um, fine. Yeah, this is, this is our show. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> so we're going to put him there. But take nothing away from the fact that, you know, he... Do you remember, like, right at the beginning of the season when people were getting concerned about his form. Do you remember that mm. right at the beginning? Because he weren't scoring. He did it the season before as well, where he scored his first goal, I think, in the North London derby in that crazy three, was it 3-2? Oh, yeah, 3-2, uh, I think it was. Something like that. 3-1, maybe. Um, this season, he started a little bit quietly. But I say quietly. Obviously, he, he contributed the cross for the own goal against Palace on the first game of the season. But I don't think then scored until the Man United away game, maybe. Uh, I know that might have been his first goal of the season, but obviously he's gone on to do brilliantly. So yeah, what do you what do you make of Saka? Yeah, he's he's been unbelievable, and I think what I've been impressed by, um, or two things I've been really impressed by when it comes to Bukayo Saka is the way he seems to be able to shake off the treatment that he gets from certain defenders, and the fact that referees just don't act quick enough in order to protect him. I think he's it would be easy to kind of get the hump about that and and let it sort of cloud your mind a little bit, and I think he's incredibly focused um and the other thing is i feel like now this version of bukayo saka in 2023 has just got a little bit more belief in himself in that there are moments in games where he will pick the ball up and do his own thing and and i like that in players i know we talk a lot about systems nowadays and tactics i love a footballer that will just think this ain't going our way i'm gonna pick up the ball not every time, but at the right times. And I'm going to take this on myself. And I always go back to the Man United game um, at the Emirates where he picked the ball up in that crazy position, cut inside onto his left foot and just smashed it into the far corner. And I thought that was a real big moment for Bukayo Saka. And it had showed me that Bukayo Saka had, 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 had sort of managed to turn that unbelievable promise into a, an, an elite level player that can do that and can out, uh, dictate the outcome of games alone and and that's what he is now as well and I mean how cool is he sort of under pressure at the moment in pressured situations he's just been unbelievable I am going to have to put him at the top of the table though because um, I have to be consistent with my thoughts around Odegaard who I said was top because he was winning the poll Saka is now winning the poll so <laughs> Saka is just going to go in top because you know I'm a crowd pleaser all day long so there you go guys the uh, thing is Tom the, the, the thing is is that 
you could put how many players have we got in that top tier at the moment? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You could probably put any one of five, and and someone could make a case yeah. for it. And that well, the irony nutshell, is, if we put ten in. We've got one more of our first team to use after we do Enketia, and I think we know where Enketia and Jesus are going to go. I mean, am I right in saying I'd put Enketia very good, Jesus top tier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably. I think he's obviously had more of a contribution than. I think I put him above Trossard. I just think you know for how long Jesus was out for, yeah, and that Eddie came in, scored against Brighton, scored against West Ham, and then scored against Manchester United twice in that three-two win. You know, Enketia has to be very good. And then Jesus, where's he going in our top tier? I think he's had he's been better than Ramsdale. Has he been yeah. better than Xhaka? Uh, yeah, Jack has been fit for the whole season. Is the is the thing, you know? But he's Gabriel Jesus has facilitated us playing yeah. in a certain way, and we were lucky that when he got injured, we were able to continue that as closely as possible because we'd had a blueprint. And I remember doing the game um, in the pre, not the preseason, but obviously after the World Cup when we played the friendlies, and and that was a couple of weeks after we found out about Jesus's injury. And I remember looking at Enketia and thinking, you, you've seen this coming because you knew you had a couple of weeks to get him up to speed. And you've, as a coaching staff, you've worked on him and you've got him doing things that he wasn't doing before. Eddie Enketia outside of the box previously was a non-entity. He would do nothing, come alive inside the penalty area, fair play. You wouldn't see him dropping into holes. You wouldn't see him going left or right. You wouldn't see him looking to link up close with the wide players or, or with the, the midfielders. All of those things have been coached into Eddie because the first half of the season gave us a blueprint as to what our forward needs to do for this system to work. And credit to Eddie because he's had to do a lot of things that don't come natural to him, I think. And he's But he's been able to do it. And although maybe he didn't score as many goals as maybe some people hoped or... He went for a bit of a barren spell and he missed a couple of big chances in certain games. But generally speaking, he plugged that hole incredibly well for someone that people were moaning about us signing up on a free at the start of the season. So, yeah, very good is is definitely fair. Yeah, I've put Gabriel Jesus above White before Martinelli. Um, I think his contribution to the season whilst he was available, you know, has been, you know, the level up that we've had to our forward line movement has been greater than that of Ben White, no matter how good Ben White, I think has been brilliant. Um, and Martinelli obviously staying fit across the whole season, 13 Premier League goals is is a brilliant, brilliant return from him. Um, and of course, all the players above him have, have remained fit for the majority of the season. I think that's probably fair. But in these last 10 games of the season, if he's big for us, you've got the chance that he shoots up, you know, a couple of places at least um, with his contributions. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, the last one is Arteta. Uh, people in the chat box said we need an Arteta. <laughs> so I've quickly fashioned an Arteta one to add. I mean, it's I, I'm not going to put him in the comparison. I'm just going to put him here because I think it'd be unfair to rank him against players. Um, but Arteta, Harry, I mean, he's proven so many people wrong, hasn't he? Yeah, he, he deserves a tier of his own because all of this that yeah. we're talking about, he's built it. And, um, you know, he's built an incredible team that plays an exciting brand of football. He's built a culture. He's built a togetherness that had long disappeared at this football club. He has done so, so much good. And, um, you know, 
I don't want to be one of those guys that said, I told you so, but I am probably going to be that because I think that, you know, there were always signs of what he wanted to do. The question was, could he make it happen? And, and that's where you've got to credit the football club for allowing him to make it happen, allowing him the time, even when there was loads of noise from the outside. And even when maybe they had situations like Aubameyang and Ozil, where the club may have thought twice about, hold on a minute, are we back in the right horse here? And and they did, and they stuck with him, and and the rewards are clear for everybody to see. So, I think he's been, um, I think he's been fantastic, and I, I can't remember having like since the, the not the Invincibles days because Wenger's reign was good after that as well. Like uh, the circumstances changed, the Emirates Stadium came along, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But at least for probably a decade, I don't. I haven't felt as connected with my club as I do now with Mikel Arteta. And even though you and I have been in these press conferences and sometimes he can be a bit difficult and you don't really get what you want out of him and, and all of that stuff, I still think that you you kind of look at him and you've got this incredible admiration for him, even if he is a bit cold sometimes. You're on mute, Tom. <laughs> Oh, I'm muted for some reason. Uh, he's probably the the coldest person I've experienced, you know, in the uh, in, in the journalistic space. Um, he just is so cold to, to to talk to. Like he doesn't, he rarely gives you stuff. When he does, it's great, and that, that obviously, obviously, because he is cold so much of the time. And when he does give you something, it it's, it feels better. When just seeing him laugh or smile is uh, is great. Um, but yeah, look, you can't, you just can't underestimate the job that he's done. Um, no one predicted this. You know, the the biggest, the staunchest Arteta ins in this world never thought that this season he would have built us to a place where we'd be competing with Man City. Nobody did. Um, and it, it is such an, a pleasure to watch this club, to cover this club, to talk about them and to talk with everybody in the chat box about them this season. And it's, you know, there's no, there's no irony at all in the fact that the 11 players in the top tier are our best starting 11. Um because they've all been fantastic. There isn't a weak link amongst those players um, that have all started so far uh, the majority of the time they've been in the team. So without a doubt, we've got a very strong squad that can probably even get stronger with the players that are returned from injury and the potential signings that we all could make in the summer. But we've got a lot to do before the end of the season, um, before we start thinking about transfers. But Harry, thank you so much for your time, mate. As always, much appreciated. Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. And um, it's been too long. We need to do it more regularly. Mm, we do. Just before I go, I just want to shoot to the next slide because it will show you that was the one we did a month ago. Okay. So Martinelli, Ramsdale, Gabriel have all gone up to the top tier. Uh, Eddie and Ketia was put in top tier at that time because obviously he was absolutely smashing it. I think it was just after the Man United game. Um, he's dropped down into the very goods. Uh, Matt Turner, as I said, wasn't very good, but the performances since... That one performance against Sporting has dropped him down. Nelson's pushed himself up into the very good tier as well, which is great to see. Tierney and Fabio Vieira were below expectation there, but have pushed themselves up into the decent category. Samba Lukonga, of course, has left on loan. For some reason, we put El Nenny in, even though he played even less minutes. <laughs> and Marquinhos has, of course, moved on as well. Kivior uh, still not played enough. Neither had Smith Rowe and Trossard and Jorginho, who signed, have moved themselves up into the uh, the very good category, which is great. But I think, yeah, overall, I think we've done a fairly decent job. Just to do a uh, check on the poll before we wrap up, Saka, 42%. Uh, Odegaard, 37%. Partey, 18%. And Gabriel, 
3% regarding player of the year so far. Uh, Harry, tell people they can find you, mate. Yeah, check out the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, had a few days off, but we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to be uh, breaking down the last 10 games, our ones and Man City's, um, and uh, trying to figure out where the Premier League title is going to be won and lost. So uh, that's tomorrow's show, which I'm, I'm looking forward to. I sat there with a scrap piece of paper earlier trying to work out points, totals and all that stuff that I used to do when I was a kid. Yes, I'm still sad. Uh, but yeah, Chronicles of Aguna podcast. It's on YouTube. It's on all major podcasters as well. And uh, yeah, cheers. Yeah, no problem at all. Always a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. And uh, hopefully we can do this again more regularly. And I hope you find yourself recharged and ready for the uh, the last 10 games of the season. Um, Chatbox, thank you so much for tuning in. As I have said already, make sure you subscribe to Harry's content. You can find him at Harry Simi. You can find him uh, what are you laughing at? Who have you seen in the chat? <laughs> How much super chat do you need to remove Tommy from below expectations? <laughs> Kenny, um, I don't think there's any amount that would make us change our opinion, Kenny. We're very stubborn people. No matter, no much amount of money can change Thanks that for, for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Drop a like on the video if you've enjoyed. Subscribe if you're new. I'll be back tomorrow morning, of course, at 8 a.m. with the next Arsenal news show and uh, a preview will be coming up next week because there's no previewing any games for this weekend. So the preview will be next week for the Leeds home game. Um, of course, very excited to see what happens in the rest of the table. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, of the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.